KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah, www.kimitzion.org. And today is Thursday. Rabbi Shir by Harav Asaf Bednash, and issues in Hilchot, Hilchot Shabbat. Today's Shior will deal with a halachic issue of preparing tea on Shabbat. The Mishnah on Shabbat of Membet tells us, One is not permitted to add spices to a pot of food, even after that pot was removed from the fire. But one is permitted to add spices to a tray in which the food was poured from that pot. The halachic term for this concept is klirishon and klisheni. Klirishon mevashel, the original utensil, the original pot in which the food was cooked, even after that pot was removed from a fire and sits on the counter on a trivet, is still hot enough to cook any food that is placed in it, and we are, it is therefore forbidden to add any food into this pot on Shabbat for fear of cooking it. However, klisheni, a no mevashel, the second utensil, where you poured the food from the pot, is not hot enough to accomplish bishul, to cook a food. And therefore, it is permitted to add spices to a klisheni because they will not be cooked in that klisheni because it did not, does not have sufficient heat to accomplish the what we call halachically the act of bishul. If only for this Mishnah, it would seem that the answer to our question is simple. How to make tea on Shabbat? Pour water from an urn or a tea kettle into a teacup. That teacup is now a klisheni. Put the tea bag in a klisheni without any fear of cooking the tea bag because klisheni a nome vashel. However, the issue is not so simple. The Mishnah, towards the end of the Masechet, on Daf, tells us any uncooked food you are allowed to rinse uncooked food with hot water on Shabbat except for old salted foods perhaps old salted fish as Rashi explains and this special type of fish called kulyates panin, which are so delicate and so easily cooked, that hadachatan zohi gmar malachtan, that even a mere rinsing in hot water would be a full malacha, would fully accomplish the malacha of bishul with regard to these foods. Tosvot explains, based on this mishnah, 
that even though a cliche ni a nom of Vashel, there are certain foods which are so delicate and so easily cooked that even rinsing them in hot water or inserting them in a cliche ni would be considered bishul and prohibited min ha-Torah on Shabbat. This is brought down in the Shulchan Aruch, Siman Shin Yudchet, Seif Dalad. In addition, the Sefer Yureyim points to the Gemara on Daf Membet Amidbet, which argues about the status of Melach. One opinion tells us salt is so tough that you can't cook salt unless it's on the fire. Another opinion tells us that salt is so delicate and easily cooked that even in a cliché knee, salt would cook, in which case it is forbidden to add salt to a cliché knee. We might happen to be makil to paskin leniently on the issue of salt, which is a topic in and of itself, but the Uraim learns in this Gemara principle. The same principle Tosot points out from the Mishnan Daf Kuf Memhei. There are some foods that are so delicate and easily cooked that they will cook even in a klisheni, and therefore placing them in a klisheni would be Asur Min HaTorah, would be an actual Malacha Mida Oraita. The phrase we use for these foods is Kale Bishal. Those items which are easily cooked. The Shulchan Aruch therefore paskins, Simen Shin brings down the opinion of the Urayim, which is that bread, for example, may be very easily cooked because it is so soft. And therefore, one shouldn't put bread in a soup tureen on Shabbat because the bread is so delicate that perhaps, perhaps, it could cook even in a klisheni. There are other issues involved in dipping bread in our soup, which we will mention soon. The Uraim himself points out that although Chazal might have been very clear as to what they meant and knew which foods cooked easily were Kali Bishol and which foods were normal foods which did not cook easily, we have lost that expertise and therefore, the Uraim suggests that we must suspect that any food is perhaps in this category of Kali Bishel, even though it's clear that only a handful of foods are quite so delicate that they cook easier than most foods. Since we don't know which they are, perhaps any food that we can think of might be Kali Bishel. And therefore, the Mishnah Brura quotes in Sifkatan Membet that we are Machmer like the Uraim, and we suspect that any food might be Kali Bishel, and therefore we forbid placing it into a klisheni. This creates a challenge for us then. How do we prepare tea on Shabbat? There are three basic shitot regarding this question. Rav Salavechik was uniquely makil with regard to this question. He pointed out that although nowadays we suspect any of our foods might be kalibishal, there's a few foods which actually are mentioned in the Gemara explicitly 
as being permitted to place in a klisheni. And therefore, we know that they're not kalibishol. And we're allowed to place them in a klisheni. Water is one of them. The Gemara mentions oil as well. Presumably the olive oil they had. And the Mishnah we began with, Tavlin. Spices are clearly not kalibishol. Because the Mishnah tells us explicitly that it is permitted to add them to a klisheni. The Rav therefore concluded that tea is, after all, a type of spice. And we know that spices are not kalibishal. Therefore, tea qualifies as one of those lucky foods which we know not to be kalibishal, and it's permitted to put a tea bag into a cliche on Shabbat. This was Rav Soloveitchik's practice in his home on Shabbat, as reported by his family. He would fill up a teacup from the urn, and insert the tea bag right into that cup, because klisheni doesn't cook tavlin, and tea is a tavlin, it's a spice, which we know we have masora not to be mikalei habishol. Perhaps other poskim did not follow the logic of Rasalavechik, because tea might have been brought to the Western world only after the time of Chazal. And Chazal spices were cinnamon, pepper, perhaps other spices. But if Chazal didn't actually have the spice called tea, perhaps we don't know what they would have said had they seen such a spice. And therefore, we can't be sure that tea is included in the type of tavlin which we know not to be easily cooked. So, there are those Talmudim of the Rav who follow his practice, which has much logic behind it. Tea is a tavlin. However, the minhag ha'olam, all the other poskim, and the common minhag is not to follow the Rav, and to suspect that although the spices Chazal used were not kalibishal, perhaps tea, which is a new, different kind of spice, might be kalibishal. In which case, what do we do? So, the Mishnah Bura discusses this issue at length, and suggests a different halachic solution. Ein bishol achar bishol. If something is cooked, there is no prohibition to cook it again, because you can't cook something that is already cooked. Parenthetically, although we saw that it is forbidden to cook bread on Shabbat, that's because bread was never cooked, but was baked. And the Uraim tells us, yesh bishol achar it is forbidden to cook a baked substance. But it is permitted to cook a cooked substance. Therefore, the Mishnah has a simple solution. Just cook your tea before Shabbat. And there will be no problem. He suggests either to cook the tea leaves before Shabbat by dipping them in hot water for a while, or rather pouring hot water on them, or placing them in a pot of hot water, and then take them out and dry them out. His preferred solution was not merely to cook the tea leaves before Shabbat, but to actually make tea before Shabbat. To make sense. A heavy concentration of tea before Shabbat, by putting a lot of tea bags and cooking them well in a small amount of water, that sense, that heavy tea concentrate, will therefore be already cooked, and it will be permitted to recook that on Shabbat, if we kept that tea sense warm, it would be permitted 
to add a little into a cup into a Klirishon, even if the tea sense cooled off a bit or cooled off entirely over Shabbat, it would be permitted to pour a bit of that sense into a teacup, which is a cliche because ein bishol achar bishol, something which is cooked, is permitted to be recooked, and even though usually we are machmir, not to recook cold cooked liquids, in a cliche we are makel, so it would be perfectly okay to make sense before Shabbat, and add a little bit of that concentrate into the teacup to make delicious tea at the end of our Shabbat meal. That is the second opinion of the Mishnah Brura. Rav Moshe Feinstein, in the Shot Igrot Moshe, has a third solution. He quotes a primagadim who tells us that a klisheni might be prohibited to use on Shabbat because, again, we suspect that any of our foods might be the type of kalebi shul, easily cooked food, which are forbidden to be inserted in a klisheni. But a klishlishi is certainly not forbidden on Shabbat. The second kli might cook certain delicate foods, but a third kli certainly does not cook. And therefore, Rav Moshe Feinstein suggests using a klishlishi, that is, pour the water from the urn into one cup. Pour it from that cup into your actual teacup. Your teacup is now the third kli, and it would be permitted to put a tea bag into your teacup on Shabbat. He quotes a primagadim who tells us that it is permitted to put food into a klishlishi on Shabbat. And Paskin's Lamaisa, and Paskin's Lamaisa, that one may prepare tea in this way. And the question is why the Mishnah Brura did not offer this suggestion, which seems to be the simplest way of avoiding the problem. No need for any elaborate preparations Friday afternoon. Just pour it one extra time to one cup into another cup and make your tea like a normal person. Why did the Mishnah Brura not make this seemingly obvious suggestion? So, it is often generally assumed that the Mishnah Brura might not agree with the Igrot Moshe. Perhaps the Mishnah Brura thinks cliche is lavdavka. And when the poskim forbade putting food into a cliche on Shabbat, they meant not specifically the second kli, but the subsequent kli, which is further along the process than the kli Rishon. A klishlishi is also a klisheni. A klirevi or chamishi or shishi. These are all klisheni because klisheni does not mean davka the second kli, but means a later kli which is not the pot that was originally on the stove. Now the Mishnah in one context does permit putting food in a klishlishi on Shabbat. In discussing the issue of putting bread in your soup, the Mishbura tells us that if you poured the soup from the pan into a tureen, that tureen is a klisheni, and one may not add bread to it on Shabbat. If, however, as we do nowadays, you ladle the soup with a ladle from the soup pot into the soup bowl, 
then the soup pot is the Kli shown. the ladle is the second Kli, the Kli Sheni, and the soup bowl is merely a Kli Shlishi. And it would be permissible to put bread in your soup, in that case, on Shabbat. That is why the Minog nowadays seems to be to allow dipping bread in the soup or putting croutons that have not been previously cooked in the soup on Shabbat because our soup bowls are not a klisheni. They are a klishlishi, soup pot, to ladle, to soup bowl, and it would be permitted to put bread in a klishlishi on Shabbat. The Mishnah even goes so far as to tell us that although Tosvot was in doubt, the Bali Tosot or Mesupakim about the status of a ladle, does the ladle really count as another step? In which case, the pot would be one, the ladle two, and the soup bowl three? Or since the ladle's inserted into the pot, maybe the ladle's part of the Kli Rishon, and the soup bowl's merely a Kli Sheni. So even though we paskin bisafake, that we are in doubt as to the status of our contemporary soup bowls, they may be a klisheni or they may be a klishlishi. Nonetheless, the Mishnabur was makel. That if they might be a klishlishi, that's good enough and it's permitted to dip your bread into that soup bowl on Shabbat. If the Mishnabur therefore used the heter of klishlishi, even when doubts are cast on it, he relies on this heter of klishlishi to permit putting bread in your soup on Shabbat. Why would he not use the heter of klishlishi to permit making tea? This is somewhat unclear. One could claim that the Mishnah agrees with the Moshe Feinstein and would allow the heter of using a klishlishi for making tea. Why he never suggested it? I don't have an answer to that. The other option, however, is to claim that the Mishnah rejects the kula of Rav Moshe Feinstein and the Prima Gadim. Perhaps the Mishnah is machran klishlishi. Why then does he allow putting bread in a klishlishi? Because perhaps he relies on the shita of the ravya against the Urayim. The Urayim holds yesh bishol That even though, as we mentioned, it's permitted to cook something which was already cooked, it is forbidden to cook something which was already baked. Because baking and cooking are different ball games. And even though bread was baked, since it wasn't cooked yet, it is a sore to cook it. However, the Rav Yah holds, well, baking, cooking, they're all the same process. Chazal tell us that Afiyah and Bishol are the same Av Malacha. Whether we call it Ofer or Mevashel, we mean the same thing. It's the same Malacha on Shabbat. In that case, if bread was already baked, then it was already cooked. And it should be permitted to cook baked items on Shabbat. We are normally Machmer in this Machloket. We refrain from cooking previously baked items on Shabbat. However, perhaps the Mishnah reasoned that the Rav Yah's opinion was logical. Perhaps logically there's a good case to be made to permit cooking previously baked food on Shabbat. So perhaps putting chal in the soup would be permissible because of ein bisholachar bishol, because it was already baked. And maybe the Mishnah Brewer thought that since there are two possible ways to permit putting bread in our soup, A, maybe since it was already baked, that's considered already cooked like the Rav Yah, and Ein Bishol Achar Bishol, or 
maybe a klishlishi is a valid heter, and maybe you're allowed to put food in a klishlishi. Perhaps bitseiruf, with both of those factors together, the mishtabru was mako. But in that case, the mishtabru was not certain that we can rely on the heter of klishlishi. He was just misupak. He said, perhaps we can rely on the heter of klishlishi. In which case, the Mishnabrura could not be quoted as coming down clearly on either side of this question. On the one hand, he allowed putting bread in a klishlishi, because maybe it's a good heter. And even if not, you have the shita of the raviyah to rely on. But perhaps he didn't suggest making tea in a klishlishi, because since he wasn't sure about that heter, he didn't want to suggest it as the way of making tea. It seems, therefore, more likely that the Mishnabrura comes down on neither side of this machloket, and he is uncertain what he thinks about the issue of klishlishi and is not willing to rely on that unless there are other reasons to be lenient as well, such as cooking a previously baked food, bishol achar afia. The, the Mishnabruah, therefore, does not tell us what he thinks. Rav Moshe Feinstein and the Primagadim are mekel on the issue of klishlishi. The Chazan Ish is Mekel on the issue of Klishlishi as well. He actually holds that it's more likely than not that most of our modern-day foods are not Kali Bishel. Personally, he wasn't so convinced. In the first place, that we have to worry about a Klishani. Who says our foods are delicate and easily cooked? Go ask a chef. Some foods are delicate and easily cooked. Some foods aren't. So the Chazanish was uncomfortable with this Chumr of Klishani in the first place. He therefore concluded that although the minag is, and he accepts the minhag ha'olam, that we're machmer, we don't put food in a klisheni. The minag is only machmer in a klisheni. The chazanis is mekel on a klishlishi for most foods, since any stam food, which there's no particular reason to think is delicate and cooks easily, should logically be mutter to put even in a klisheni. The chazanis says... Even though we're knowing not to put stam foods in a klisheni, we don't have to take it too far, and we can't put stam foods in a klishlishi. The issue of klisheni seems to be perhaps an earlier machloket. In the base Yosef, Siman Shin Yud Chet, in the old printings, page Pei Dalet Aleph, the Beit Yosef and the Bach, in a different context, argue about what the definition of Klisheni is. The Beit Yosef says Klisheni means Davka, the second Kli, while the Bach says Klisheni means any Kli subsequent to the first, whether it be the second, third, or fourth. In which case, the Igrot Moshe, the Primagadim, and the Beit Yosef would all say, that a klishlishi is mutar, the chazan ish would say, for a different reason than a klishlishi is okay. Because really, klishani should be okay. Why should we suspect the food is easily cooked unless a chef tells us as much? Okay, so we'll be machrin a klishani, but we don't have to be machrin a klishlishi. The mishabru is unclear. The only machrin seems to be the bach, who tells us that explicitly that even a third or fourth kli still falls within the halachic category of klisheni, and would be forbidden, it seems, to use on Shabbat. 
So who else is machmer in this issue besides the Bach? In steps the Aruch HaShulchan. In the Aruch HaShulchan, Paskins explicitly that it is forbidden to make tea even in a Klishlishi. First he quotes the Uraim. The Uraim discussing bread. Paskind explicitly that it is forbidden to put bread even in a Klishlishi because it may be Mikali Habishal. The Yorach HaShulchan says likewise it is forbidden to put tea in a Klishlishi because it may be Mikali Habishal. But then he adds I do not merely suspect that tea is mikalei habishol, says the Yorach HaShulchan. He says, I know tea is kalei habishol. I can prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that tea is one of those easily cooked substances that cooks even in a low heat. If so, that would be a strong argument l'chumra. How does he know? He says, you put a tea bag in a kli rishon, in a pot on the fire, it makes tea. You put a tea bag in a klisheni, it makes tea. You put a tea bag in a klishlishi, it makes tea. We all know you can make the same tea, whether you put in a klishon, a klisheni, or a klishlishi. Truth is, there are some people from some parts of the world who are very makbid and claim that they can tell the difference between the taste of tea brewed in a klishon, klisheni, klishlishi. But most of us, if we underwent a blind taste test, could not tell the difference between this cup of tea brewed in a klishon, klisheni, or klishlishi. The Yorach HaShulchan therefore says, I've proven to you that tea is one of those easily cooked substances, which cooks even in a klishlishi, so one is certainly forbidden to make tea in a klishlishi on Shabbat. However, if Moshe Feinstein disagrees with this conclusion of the Yorach HaShulchan, Rav Moshe Feinstein points out that the Archa Shulchan never proved that tea cooks in a klishlishi. All he proved is that the tea leaves impart their taste to the water and brew in a klishlishi. Brewing means the water acquires a taste of tea. Rav Moshe Feinstein says, yes, tea will brew in a klishlishi. Maybe tea will brew if you left it long enough. Tea will certainly brew even in cold water. That's not relevant to the issue of cooking. Brewing just means that the water starts to taste like the leaves. Cooking means that you transform something from a raw taste into a cooked taste. Rav Moshe Feinstein says, we are not exactly sure if raw tea tastes any different than cooked tea, and we certainly have no way to tell in exactly what circumstances tea acquires a cooked taste as opposed to the raw taste and therefore, the fact that tea brews in a klishlishi proves nothing. It brews in a klishlishi, but it doesn't cook in a klishlishi. Just as if you let a tea bag sit long enough, it'll brew, long enough, it'll brew in cold water as well. Now, obviously, it has not cooked. It seems to be that Rav Moshe Feinstein and the Yorach HaShulchan here are arguing about a very fundamental machloket in terms of the definition of the Av Malacha of cooking. Rav Moshe Feinstein assumes cooking means what we think it means. Using heat to transform something from a raw state into a cooked state. I'm not a chemist. Perhaps I can't explain to you scientifically exactly how to define that. But we all know that it's a chemical process which scientists understand that things are raw and their properties change by the application of heat and become cooked. 
Moshe finds it says, tea doesn't cook in a klishlishi, it just brews. The Yerach might hold like the Shut Maharam Shik. Siman Kuf Lamed Bet. He quotes from the Rishonim that the original Malacha of Bishul in the Mishkan was cooking the dyes, the various herbs and leaves and roots which would be used to make dyes, to dye the wool, to dye the wool in the various colors of Argaman and Tolat Shani, etc., that were necessary for the building of the Mishkan, and points out, based on the Rishonim, that cooking a dye, the important part about cooking a dye is not that you transform it and make it cooked and edible. It's that you get the color out of the roots and herbs and whatever other ingredients and get it into the water so that it becomes a liquid dye which you can then dip your wool into. He suggests, therefore, that when it comes to samimanim, dye ingredients, the malach of Bishel does not mean cooking them. The malach of Bishel means imparting their taste to the... Sorry, imparting their color to the water or, in other words, brewing. Likewise, when it comes to tea, the maharam shik is mechadesh, that cooking tea does not mean the same thing as cooking chicken. Cooking chicken means giving it the taste of a cooked food as opposed to a raw food. Cooking tea means taking the taste out of the leaves and putting it in to the water. He therefore comes up with a big chiddush. Any item which is commonly brewed has a special definition of bishul that applies to that item. Any item which is commonly brewed falls under a new type, or rather a second type of malacha of bishul, which means not cooking it, but brewing it, transferring its taste from itself to the water, and therefore brewing is by definition cooking. That is a chiddush of the, seems to be a chiddush of the maram shik, he would have to say that all the spices which Chazal permitted placing in a klisheni were merely spices like our ground pepper, which you eat in the course of eating your food, not spices which imparted their taste to the food around them. And therefore concludes that brewing is by definition another type of cooking, another type of bishul, one which is learned from the brewing of the dye ingredients in the Mishkan. Although the Archa Shulchan does not discuss any of this, it seems clear that he, his intention is exactly equivalent to that of the Maharam Shik. He is mechadesh, that brewing is, by definition, a halachic type of cooking. And granted that assumption, of course he's right. Should be usher to put tea in a klishlishi, because we all see that it brews and therefore cooks. Halacha l'ma'aseh, the Orach HaShulchan, Maharam Shik, the Bach, the Ureyim would seem to be machmer on this. The Igrot Moshe and the Primagodim, the Chazan Ish, would be Mekel. The Minaga Olam, in many places, certainly in the United States, where Moshe Feinstein's influence was felt very strongly, is to be Mekel, and assume that tea does not cook in a klishlishi, which would assume that brewing is not by definition a type of Bishel. It brews in a klishlishi, but it doesn't cook Therefore, the common minhag, certainly in the United States at the very least, is to make tea in a klishlishi on Shabbat. Many are more machmir, since the Aruch HaSholchan forbade it, and the Mishtabrura seem to be a little uncertain about the issue. 
many are machber not to make tea in a klishlishi, and therefore they prepare tea using the halachic method of ein bisholach ar bishol by cooking the tea before Shabbat and making sense, making a strong brew concentrate, and then adding a little bit of that concentrate into their teacup on Shabbat to make tea. We have therefore seen three opinions regarding how we make tea on Shabbat. Rav Soloveitchik said, tea is a tavlin and is therefore permitted even in a klisheni. Rav Moshe Feinstein says, tea is just like any other food. We suspect it may be kaleha bishol, but we are allowed to put foods into a klishlishi on Shabbat. We only worry about foods that may be easily cooked in a klisheni. The third opinion is the Yorach HaShulchan and the Maram Sheikh, who tell us that tea is unique. Since tea brews and does not cook, by definition, brewing is considered cooking, according to their chiddush, and therefore it would be forbidden to place in a klishlishi, because since we all know that it brews in a klishlishi, we can't deny that a cooking process goes on even in a klishlishi.